0: We've been on the theme of grace and blessing and uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I could say it was real, it's been a real blessing preaching on grace. But uh, tonight I wanted, because I did that this morning and, and used so much uh, the emotional stories, uh, and I like emotion, I don't know about you, but I think emotion is good. In fact, they say in theology, uh, if you go to theology, they say there's three things that theology works by. And uh, they say, number one. And uh, they say it's uh, orthodoxy. Now orthodoxy is just uh, two Greek words that simply mean um, right believing. So you've got to have right believing. So we're going to say amen to that. So uh, then the next one that, that goes close behind and close with it is orthopraxis. And praxis means the right way of doing things, doing the right thing. So it's believing the right thing, doing the right thing. But Pentecostals and early Methodists, because Pentecostalism was born out of early Methodism, they have another one uh, which has really taken over the world and in the world of theology. But it's called, uh, I've got to think about it for a minute, orthopathology, path, ortho, uh, pathos, I should say. I've <laughs> got to get the right term, term there. It's two Greek words. It's kind of where we get the word pathology or pathos from, which means emotion. So, in other words, what it's saying is that you've got to believe the right thing, do the right thing, and feel the right thing. I think when it comes to accessing grace and some of those things, that we, you know, I know a lot of people who know the Word of God. I remember saying in my very early days, uh, you know, I said, you know, to Clark, um, you know, just an observation of a young pastor, I said, you know, every pastor seems to preach the right the same thing. But they don't get the same results. You know, you, you could go to thousands of churches around here and they'd all be talking about the grace of God. They'd all be talking about faith. They'd all be talking about these things. But, you know, I, I think it's not what we believe. And I, and I would say we're probably here with a group of believers tonight. You can say, Amen. You know the Word of God. You're not unfamiliar with the doctrines of the Bible and the themes to live by. And I'm sure you'd be able to tell us all how to live. Uh, we don't have a problem with orthodoxy. I think our problem lies in two areas: you know, it's whether we actually do it. I, I think we have a trouble with that we come to church, we hear a message and we hear another message, we hear another message, and we don't do any of the messages, but we just keep on hearing message. And because we are growing in understanding, we are deceived to think that we're growing in faith. See, I think what happens now. I have. I'm not a weightlifter, as you can tell. I know that probably shocks some of you to hear that. But uh Naranjan looks like if he's been a weightlifter there. But you know, there's one thing I know so love with people who lift weights is they 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 like to eat a lot, you know, and, and they they consume it. They they, they have all these supplements and everything, these things, and, and they they love to lift weights. You know, but you know, I, but some people I have found. You know they like weightlifters, but they leave one part out—the weightlifting. They just like to eat a lot. (laughs) And and, you know, if you now, please do not be offended by what I'm about to say, but (laughs) but you know, if you just eat a lot, you don't grow strong; you just grow fat. Now I don't know about you, but growing fat is not just a really healthy thing, according to my doctor. Now, as I'm not having to go with anyone here, but you know, it's 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 putting on muscle and weight that comes from lifting and exercise. You know, we, we, we've got to learn and I think sometimes in, in uh, I'm saying this from a spiritual perspective, that we, we have knowledge, but because we don't do it and say, How am I gonna apply this? How am I gonna live this? How how can I, I'm gonna give this a go, then we don't grow strong. It was the Apostle Peter who says the trial of your faith is much more precious than anything else, than gold or silver. Yeah, sometimes you know when you get into trial and you've got to believe and you get to that stage in life which uh, is very simple but I think the hardest thing to do, having done all, stand. Stand. Sometimes, you know, you you're you believing God for money and it's just not coming through. Well, what are you going to do? Well, you can quit or you can stand. You, know, you can believe for your relationships to change, but, you know, you can pray about it. But sometimes you've just got to stand. You know, and and it's, it's something about faith that is one of the keys to life. I noticed uh, David talked about it this morning. Uh, From Romans. Turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 5. We're going to start there. Whoops, I almost tripped over myself. But Romans chapter 5, I'll just see if I can find my notes quickly. Uh, But Romans 5 has been a passage that we've been meditating on in our early morning prayer meetings. But David comes in every morning and he says these things in the prayer meetings. First, he said, You know what God says? There's two things that God marveled at. And uh, we said, what is that, David? (laughs) He said, he marveled at the centurion that he had great faith. And God marveled. He only marveled twice, Jesus, but a great faith. And the other time he marveled is when the disciples had great doubt, unbelief. He marveled at their unbelief and he marveled at faith. You know, there's something about faith that creates a reaction in the heart of God. Yeah, and I, I remember hearing years ago uh, someone talking about their theological exams and some of us have sat a few theological exams but you know, you can talk about the glory of God in a theological exam but your heart can be in a different place. You can say, I'll be so glad when I finish this. Uh, you know, you, you can be talking about the amazing things that God is, the mercies of God, and you can, and you can be thinking about, my golly, I'm hungry. I'm looking forward to having lunch today. You, know, or you can be going to say, I just, you know, I'd die for a cup of coffee right now. in the middle exam, you know. It, you, know it, it's, you can talk about the glories of God, and your heart can be so far from it. I think sometimes we live this way in our Christian life and wonder why we don't have the strength that we want to have. Because we haven't put our emotions in it. I remember uh, in the church that I used to go to, the Methodist church, I used to be a Methodist lay preacher. Um, Lindsay and I were married in the Methodist church. But I can remember, uh, you know, Methodists just always say, beware of emotion. The very thing that would empower them and change them, that they were scared of. Because emotion changes the person. You get an emotional person. You have got a spirit-filled person. You get a person who's got anger, and you've got a spirit-filled person. He's got anger. He's full of anger, and the only way that that anger is going to stop is is if you walk away. Basically, you know, there's a book called the. Um, I've got to think of the name, but it. it's called the. Um, I can't remember the name. It's called something. The child. It's the um, no, no. It's not a Christian book. It's a secular book, actually. And uh, it's called the oh, um, well, and it's a difficult child. to talk about you know how some kids just are always exploding. That you know that they are on those autism scales and things like that. And and, and he said the, the, the theory of the book is is that sometimes emotions and kids' actions react like vapor lock. I don't know what you know the old cars used to have carburetors uh, i don 't think they have carburetors anymore that 's how much I know about cars but um, and sometimes they get vapor they get a lock in there and and, and uh, it, it, the petrol wouldn't flow down to make it start it wouldn't ignite, and they call it vapor lock and different altitudes could change vapor lock and in fact if uh, We lived in Denver, which is a mile high. That's higher than any mountain here in uh, Australia, but uh, and at at a mile high, you would get uh, you'd lose breath after about an hour if you weren't used to it. You'd get altitude sickness. People get headaches, and um, you know people go snow skiing, which would be another few thousand feet above where we lived, and they wouldn't last a day. Because the you know the headaches, the nausea, the sickness there, uh, just because the altitude sickness. And, and in fact, um, in cooking in Denver, they they have uh, high altitude recipes, because it takes longer for water to boil at altitude, so it's longer to heat up. So they would have these high altitude recipe, re, uh, recipes on on the common cake mixes and things like that. But you know, it, but but it would create vapor lock in cars if they weren't adjusted to it. And I think sometimes we get this. Um, vapor lock that we can't get out of it you, you get an angry child or a person you know they get so angry that they won't get out of it and you can reason with them and it doesn't help isn't that right you can tell them to be good and they still won't be good you know the best thing to do is leave them alone walk away come back and in and, and five minutes and they'll be okay again as if nothing ever happened and i think that's any spirit is like that you know a spirit is always control. you know you can tell spirits well, you can tell spirits in a number of ways, but one of the really prime ways that we've all seen spirits act is you can say, that person's got an angry spirit. You know, but, but what you're really talking about, they have got strong emotion, and that's what we often see. And that emotion drives them to say things, do things, that they will ultimately regret. But you know, when we with the Holy Spirit, we have a new spirit, but it's, but it's filled with emotions, you know, emotions of love, emotions of faith, emotions of joy. That should be driving us. You know, that's why Pentecostals have been great worshippers. You know, they love to worship because, you know, because it's driven. You know, our motions. You know, but that's why uh, in the early days we danced. We used to do the, um, you know, the one-step dance. You know, you know, Pentecostal two-step was really only one step, really. But, uh, you know, I do that more nowadays. But I don't think I'd land on the second leg very easily. Age uh, has stopped my dancing days. But, uh, yeah, but we've lost something of the excitement sometimes. You know, we have got, you know, instead of being crazy fanatics, we become the acceptable people. I mean, even the Prime Minister is one of us. I mean, that's when it's getting really acceptable. When the Prime Minister is openly one of us and goes to the biggest conference to open it and tell that he believes in miracles. You know, it, it's become so acceptable. And, and you know, cause, and I think it, when we get it, some things become acceptable... You know, we, we lose the passion, the fight to keep things alive. You know, we, we lose something of our orthopathy, which affects our orthopraxis. And I believe that when we talk about faith and we get to here, let me read the scripture and we'll move on. I'm in Amos somewhere. But Romans chapter 5, the one that David has been sharing every week, he says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, five Romans 5.1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have access by faith into this grace, the grace of justification, the grace of being peace with God, we have access by faith and into this grace in which we stand, notice it says in which we stand, You something we do, we stand and rejoice, there's an emotion that's attached to it, you know, we, we sometimes, why, why does not my faith work for me? It's because we, we, we neither stand nor rejoice in what we believe in. We've got the right belief system, the orthodoxy right, but we haven't got our orthopraxy and our orthopathos right. I encourage you, the, the Bible says, with the heart, man believes. Now, when we talk about the heart, we're talking about all the emotions that come with the romance and all those things, isn't it? That's the heart. But with the heart, you believe. Faith is not something that's of a mental ascent. Faith is something that's of the heart. And we, we access, God says, you could access all of His grace. And, and we can go through grace. Uh, I think I have in just my notes tonight about, uh, I reckon there'd be... Close to 30 or so scriptures just on grace that I think would be important in connection to faith. I won't go through all of them tonight. We might get a couple of them. But, uh, you know, grace is a powerful thing. You know, everything comes by the blessing of God. That's grace. Everything comes by the favor of God. But the only thing you can get that favor is by right believing. Believe. You know, we access by faith. Now, sometimes when it comes to faith, We have these ideas of what faith is. Faith is a noun, so we always kind of put it in an abstract thing. Paul always talked about, you know, he loved to use the word faith. He loved to use the word, the noun, you know, for those who, a noun is a name of something. But when you read the Gospel of John, John doesn't use the word faith. He likes to use the verb, verb believe. If thou can believe, all things are possible to him. You know, another way you could say that, you know, if you have faith, you'd have to put a verb in front of it. If you have faith, you can believe. It's the same thing. You know, belief. You know, the, uh, the Greek word here, uh, for Greek language, uh, how Greek word language works is, is it works by stem. And, and the, the, the stem for faith is a word called pistos, P-I-S-T-O-S in, in transliteration in English. But if I want to say unbelief, I would put a prefix in front of it and say apistos. That would be unbelief. So pistos means belief. Uh, but, you know, when we, but we in the English language, when we come to faith, we have a, quite a few synonyms uh, that we use for both Hebrew and Greek, but yet it's the same word. For instance, the word belief is the same as faith. You know, it's a noun. Uh, if, you know, and if we read the Old Testament, it's quite interesting when they translated the Hebrew that they don't use the word faith very often. It's very rarely used. They don't, they don't even use the word belief that much, but they love to use the word trust. But trust is just a cinnamon for faith and believe. If I trust in a person, I believe in that person. So when we talk about having faith, we're talking about trusting. We're talking be- about believing that person. So you know, we've got to exercise belief and say, God, I trust your, I, you know, I, I trust your word. I trust that what you say will come to pass. I trust in your nature, God. And, and, the, and no matter what happens, I'm prepared to stand and, and having to... And I'm prepared not only to stand, but I'm, I'm prepared to stand and be an idiot when I stand. I'm going, to, I'm going to rejoice in it as if I've already got it. I mean, that's what Abraham did. I mean, could you imagine Abraham for 25 years... You know, he was about Frank's age when he started. A really old man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm younger than you, Frank. <laughs> but anyhow, but anyhow we, we, we'll call him Abraham and not Frank, frankly speaking, Abraham. But Abraham, you know, he said, I'm going to become the father of many nations. Now, that would be believable, except his wife is the same age. I mean, she's past the hot and cold flashes stage. I mean, they've long, I mean they're a distant memory. And they're going around saying, calling themselves Father of Many Nations, Mother of Many Nations. And they're quite excited about it. I don't know what you would think, but I reckon by the time you walked out of your house, met your next-door neighbour and told them what your name was uh, and, and what her name was, that they'd be snickering behind your back when you left. And the more you do it, they'd be saying, those crazy people, it's dementia, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you couldn't blame them. But some, but Abraham, you know, but the kids Abraham, you know, he had to keep that rejoicing up. You know, there's something about, you know, his passionate that they would talk about it, speak about it, because you know, because what is in your heart is what ultimately you speak. In our house, we only use one word Audrey. <laughs> I mean, Audrey, this Audrey, that, Audrey, this Audrey doesn't say a word. She doesn't even stay awake. She's only been there for eight days, but she has filled our house. Audrey. Everything's Audrey. You know, it, it, you know because there's a passion in all of the ladies in our household. Uh, us men just go along, of course. Amen. But they're passionate about this little baby. And so all they can do is talk about this little baby. I mean, the, the, there could be a nuclear war over, the, uh, uh, you know, over next door, but they'd still be talking about Audrey. Because it's what's in their heart. See, when, when something is in your heart, you cannot, you cannot speak it. You know, faith is something. Faith comes from hearing, hearing Paul said it this way. He said in, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 10, he said, Faith is near you. He says, near you. Well, how near is near good question he said you don't have to go up for it you don't have to go down for it it's not a journey into heaven it's not a journey into hell he said it is near you it's in your heart and in your mouth in other words whenever you believe something in your heart and you really believe it with emotion because that's what the heart is and you speak it it's close to you so you know the question is what are you want from god what grace do you want to access tonight? Because that grace you access is as close to you as what you say and believe with emotion. And he said, and having done all, just stand. I mean, Abraham stood for 25 years. He's his example of faith. You know, Noah's another great example of faith, you know, I remember they used to have that comedy skit on noah yeah you, know? no, you know noah's built you know he's soaring a plank something rather god speaks to him and says noah he said who's that god and he says what do you want god build me an ark what's an ark and then he goes and tells about rain. And then he, after he tells the story of why he said, is it, who is that really there, you know, the doubts come to come in. But, you know, it, it's, it's that, but that's what happens, you know, when you begin to believe something, you get those doubts coming, isn't it? You know, I think the hardest thing to do is to stand and do the same thing and pray the same thing every day, every day. And then when you think about it during the day, you pray the same prayer, when you think about it, you think the same thing, nothing has changed. But you keep on thinking, thinking, praying, thinking, praying, believing, expecting, thinking, praying, believing, expecting. You just keep on that just keep on standing on that till it comes to pass. You know, it's pretty hard if you do it for a day. But try twenty-five years. Try 120 years with No Mo- with Noah. See, Having done all stand let's go back to Romans 5 for a minute we have that scripture up Save so me going into my Bible you'll turn fast than me and verse 2 through whom also we have access by faith we access into this grace we have access by faith in this grace where we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God we, you know the glory of God the you know, the best way of explaining the glory of God is God. Everything that God is is in His glory. That's what makes Him so glorious. Is His God. He's the most amazing person. He said, "We, we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God to be like God through faith. Through rejoicing and stand. That's all we've got to do. And He will give us." the grace to do it. It won't be something that we... You know, our part is pretty small, isn't it? Someone said, don't you think that faith works by works? I said, of course faith works by work. It works by the works of believing. It works by the works of speaking. It works by the work of standing. It works by the works of of perseverance. You know, it, it works by doing what he said to do. But you know, but only God ultimately can do it. We talked about this morning how God rescues us. That we're saved by grace, not of yourselves. Ephesians says it's a gift of God. But we access the gift through faith. I remember um, <coughs> when, uh, very early days of my ministry, I remember Clark saying, he said, you know, he said, you should preach faith once a month. I don't know, I haven't been very diligent on preaching faith once a month, but I'd certainly think about faith more than once a month. But one thing I can guarantee is that faith has been something that's important to me. Every big event that's ever changed my life. I remember our first time our church grew, we, we, we stood still. And Derek, uh, Derek's sitting here, but Derek was this high. Lindsay's got a photo of Derek holding my hand and uh, walking up and down our backyard, because I'd walk up and down our backyard for an hour just declaring that our church would grow without any sign we spent six years of it staying on 70 people but we we, we, we walked the derek and i walked up and down and if any two she'll agree is anything i don't know whether a two-year-old makes a difference but anyhow <gasps> but we believe god and miraculously in six weeks it doubled i've told you the story next year it doubled again and we went from nobody interested in us to being asked to be the speakers of the conferences, we're asked to be the to do the pastors' conferences. on when Clark would do it all, but then on his day off, he'd pick three people, uh, four it was, because it was a month long. So he'd pick four people to do on his, his day off and had to take a day. I was one of those people that did that day simply because of what faith has did in my life. I have planted churches, and we've crossed the world without any money we've had really hard times but you know there's only one reason we've done it faith faith is what's kept me in this ministry for 42 years faith has given me the breakthrough faith has seen miracles faith has made this ministry worthwhile i encourage you tonight to go home and say and access some part of god's faith What do you really want from God? You know what? You probably already have some ideas. You probably already have some desires in your heart because the Holy Ghost has been talking to you. You might not recognize it, but I'm sure he has because that's who he is. But start to take a promise with it. Start Start to believe it. Start to get excited about it. Start to begin to speak it with your mouth. And it will be close to you, and one day will come to pass. And you'll access grace, and you'll, you will then, and when you have it, your fillers of all heaven has come down over your life, and you'll know the blessings of God like you have many other times. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, tonight we thank you that you're a good God that your goodness and mercy follow us every day of our life. We thank you for the grace of God that saves us, the grace of God that heals us, forgives us, cleanses us, gives us victory, love and joy and peace and power. Everything is by your grace. We thank you, Holy Ghost, that you're a spirit of grace. We thank you, Lord, that we have access to this. What a privilege to be able to open that door and get a hold of grace. We ask, Lord, that you take our words, make them not only right believing, but right doing and right emotion tonight. Burn it in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen.